Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. Today I want to talk to you about greater. And God has put greatness in each image bearer. And whether you believe in God or not, God believes in you. And he created you in his image and his likeness. And so he put greatness within people. And to the believer, specifically, the scripture says this, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay, so I'm going to read that. I'm going to show you that's in 1 John 4, 4. But when you believe that, here's what happens when you believe that. When you believe that, you do not go to the world for everything and everything that you need. So, you have, so your relationship to the systems of the world change based upon this revelation. And so let's say you say, well, I don't have this revelation. That's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some stuff from the scripture because this is not my revelation. This is scripture. So if you believe the scripture, if you believe the truth, this can be your revelation. That's, that's the power of Bible teaching. It's not my, my little revelation. It's not about me. It's about what does the scripture say? And do you believe what the scriptures say? And do you position yourself in obedience accordingly by the Holy Spirit's grace and help to then experience the truth and then experience the liberation and the freedom that that truth provides? So the scripture says, greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. So now when you get this understanding, your relationship to the world to the people of the world begins to change. So I want to say it this way. We're not better than anyone. Let me just be very clear. We're, we might be better off, but you're not better than anyone. And when I say better off, I'm not simply speaking of economics, but I'm talking about life with God is better. The quality, the joy, the peace, the eternal value that he brings into your life. In other words, God can bring profound meaning to something that in another context doesn't have that type of meaning. Like I, I could go somewhere, for example, on a vacation and uh, you can go and you go there and it's cool and you take pictures and you have fun and I come back looking Dominican and I'm happy and all that. But it's not the same level of value as when there are eternal things happening and I have went with an intention to honor and serve the Lord. So the value is not the same. And so I just want to say that because like we're not better, better than people, just to be clear. But who, who is inside of us is greater than the world, but for the world, right? And, and this is something that God called us out from the world, but for the world. Does that make sense? So now I, I change my mind, I change my habits, and I change my associations, not because I think I'm better than people, but because I want to have something to actually offer them because they're trapped in darkness. How do I know I was once there? So I, I want to really communicate this well because sometimes there was a whole misunderstanding. I, I went back and forth, oh my God, uh, on this misunderstanding. I, I posted something and a whole bunch of, Ministry people shared it, and then there's this one person that just came and came and kept coming and kept coming. And so 
sometimes, you know, people, um, they're not, they're committed to misunderstanding you and, that, and that's okay. So I told him that if you're committed to misunderstanding me, it seems that what, that's what you're going to do. But uh, anyway, the scripture is very clear here. This is uh, 1 John 4, uh, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. In other words, you don't have to just believe someone. I want to tell you that. You don't have to, even me, test what I'm saying. Measure it. Look. I encourage you, look. If something is real, it doesn't mind being looked at. Look. Research. Find out. Is what it, fact check. Look in the Greek. Look in the Hebrew. Check it out. We have this bent toward that I have to believe everyone or I don't love them. Or I have to trust everyone and I don't love them. I can love you, and I don't have to trust or believe you. In fact, if I don't believe you, I don't trust you. And I can only trust you as much as your integrity permits me to trust you. Because the scripture does not call me to trust untrustworthy people. So when I'm listening to something, I have to test not only the spirit, not only what is said, but the messenger. So the message, the messenger, and the spirit in which the message comes across. is Are they saying something to hurt? Or to help. What is the core motive of speaking? Okay. Um, verse 2. By this, but, th but you know now the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which is, or the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard, was coming... And is now already in the world, in, in the cosmos, in, 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 the cre in, the, in the order of how the world is ordered. So the world is anti-Christ, the world. So I want to just be clear, because if I say that we're going to serve the world, I don't mean the systems of the world. I'm talking about the people in the world. I just want to be clear, because th that can be like, what are you saying? because the scripture is clear that friendship with the world is enmity with God. In other words, if I am too close to the system of the world, if I put my trust in it, if I'm intimate with it, if I expect it to produce for me, if I put all my hope in it, then I, I position myself where God is now in my enmity with God, which I don't want that. Many people would rather be at enmity with God and friends with the world. I would rather be friends with God and at enmity with the world because you're going to see why in a second. You are of God, little children, because you have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The word there, overcome, is where the Greek word it gets translated into victory or the word like his sweater, Nike. That's the Greek word, Nike, victory. That's where that comes from, Nike, the Greek word victory, overcome. This is, it's also another word that, that is close to that word is the word conqueror or conquer is the word victory is where you get the, the English iteration of the word Nike. Okay, yeah, it's, it's all, really smart people don't do things by accident. 
All right? Now, they are of the world, therefore we speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He knows God, hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know, watch this, the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. So based upon what you listen to, we know what spirit you're of. Based upon how you speak, we know what spirit you're speaking from. And so this issue here, the, the context here was that John was writing to uh, Gnostic heresies. There was Gnostic heresies within the first century, and they believed this, that Jesus, uh, he did not come in the flesh. Like he, he couldn't have been flesh because flesh is inherently sinful, which is actually incorrect because Jesus condemns sin in the flesh by not sinning in the flesh. <laughs> so that's a whole nother Romans 8, which we're going to get there later. But, but that is a, a, a Gnostic heresy. That is the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist is not rapture movies, but this is a whole nother spirit. Which, so this spirit is um, a spirit that refuses to acknowledge the historical accuracy and the validity of Jesus as a person. Now, I want to say something to you because this is very important. Within the apostolic creeds, you, you have something in the creed that is fascinating. N.T. Wright uh, pointed this out recently. But you have that Jesus suffered under who? Pontius Pilate. For those of you who know the creeds. And uh, that is tying Jesus to an actual person in history who lived when Jesus lived. Because the historicity of Jesus as fully God and fully man is very important and it's essential. Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus was, he put on a flesh suit. Jesus did not sin. That's why he's our savior. He, he could not be our savior if he sinned, but he could not be our savior if he didn't die for us and as us and he couldn't give us victory over something that he didn't have victory over because you can never give what you don't have. That's important. That's why ministry always starts with you getting right because you can never give something to someone or impart something to someone that you don't have. That's why many times it's very critical that you go through a lot of painful experiences so that you can show up in other people's pain and have something for them. And it's not necessarily that God sent the pain, but he uses it in a way that is redemptive to help and to encourage and to strengthen other people. It's hard to really bring someone through something that you haven't went through. So, so this is important because Jesus has won our victory and he wants us to relate to the world not according to our weakness but according to his strength. So he wants us to have this understanding that the world and the system of the world doesn't have anything for believers but in fact believers have something for the people in the world who are trapped under its system because its system is chaotic and confusing and dehumanizing and oppressive because sin is a nasty taskmaster. It doesn't matter what color, what culture, what language, you have the same sin condition. You have white people enslaving white people in Russia. 
You have black people enslaving black people in Africa. You have white people enslaving black people in the transatlantic slave trade. Right now, there's 26 million slaves in the world right now globally. So, so it's not just skin. It's deeper. It's sin. It's, it's at the very heart. I'm not denying the history of, of slavery. I'm saying that it is bigger than a skin issue. It's a sin issue. And sin makes a terrible, terrible uh, a king because it destroys anyone who participates with it. It's dehumanizing. And until you understand the systems of the world as that, you will run to them and go to them and, and seek advice and counsel from them when in reality they don't have anything for you. And when I say the system, I don't mean you can't go to a doctor. I mean the spirit that is in the world that does not acknowledge or recognize who Jesus is. That is a highly, highly uh, dysfunctional and, and dangerous thing for us as believers. Now, if you don't believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, you're going to, again, go to the world and your relationship to the world is going to be dysfunctional it's kind of like listening to the wrong advice. That will always be the situation in your life until you realize greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. This is a very, very, very simple and, and just important truth to live from because what happens is if the relationship isn't defined correctly, it'll be dysfunctional. I don't know if, 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 you're, if you're hearing me with that, but any relationship that is not properly defined usually becomes dysfunctional. Okay. What does this relationship require? How should I relate to the world around me? Okay, I'm married. How should I relate to my wife? Okay, you have friends. How should I relate to my friends? Okay, you have money. The scripture, how, how does the scripture teach me to relate to money. Do I relate to money from a biblical context or from the spirit that is in the world? This is very, very important because in the world, let me give you an example. In the world, money builds walls. In the kingdom, money builds bridges. The more money you have, especially if you see this in other countries, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, the more money you have, the higher the wall in front of your house. We, we were in a, in a neighborhood in Sao Paulo with a lot of money, and the wall is so big, I can't see the house. Wow. you got to step back to really see the house because the wall is so big because it's a danger. I mean, outside of that little castle there is, is, not, is not that nice, you know. So, but in, in the kingdom, we have resources, and so we go somewhere to build a bridge, to share love, to share hope, but it's a completely different thing, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have a lock on your door or a fence. I'm just saying that the, 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 the modus operandi of money in the world is to isolate and separate, but the kingdom is to give and to bless. It's a totally different operating system. Okay, so greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. So we're going to go and we're going to go actually into John uh, 14 and then John 15 because there's something here. When you understand this greater, 
uh, is he who is in you, which is speaking of Jesus. It's not a metaphor. The Son of God really lives by the Holy Spirit in those who believe. It's not a word picture. It's not a metaphor. It is the truth of the gospel. Christ in you is the hope of glory, which means in reality, you may be someone's only hope for a miracle in this life. You may be the only living epistle that someone reads. You may be the only word of God or Bible that someone come in contact with. And if they don't, we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. Okay? So that means that we should operate and navigate differently than the world. It's actually in our distinctness that we have influence. But many times we want to blend, 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 and blend, and there's no influence because we're just like them. That's why when you look at some of the stats, divorce, mental illness, suicide, suicide among pastors, infidelity, all these different things. If I was, if I was not Christian, I'm just going to tell you the truth, if that's right. If I was not Christian, I would look at most church situations and say, I, I don't want any of that. But since I know it's true... I'm able to see beyond human brokenness and know that God is, is, is alive and at work. But we have produced more scandals, more crazy things, more abuses. So without knowing the truth and the validity of the gospel, it's very difficult for people. And we give, many, we give people many, many reasons to say, I don't know. Instead of, man, imagine if people looked at our life and said, man, there's a lot of evidence that God is real and at work among those people, among that guy, among that lady, among whoever. There's like evidence because we're called to bear witness and to be testimonies, which is to produce actual evidence. I cannot go into court and think that I'm going to win without evidence. You need evidence. So, so there needs to be, so faith plus obedience equals testimony. Testimony is evidence. I cannot bear witness without evidence. So now this is important. So this truth has to do something in us. In other words, God says, look, you guys are all crazy, messed up. No problem. I'm going to move in. You're like, what do you mean? I'm going to move in. No problem. Okay, we need to sweep this. We got cobwebs over here, demons over there. You got all types of pain over here. No problem, no problem. It's all right, I understand. I've been at this a long time. I'm going to move in, and I'm going to help you from the inside. This is refreshing, by the way. This is like someone who wants to like, really help you, but from the inside, where it matters most, so that, because here's what happens. If you're good on the inside, it has its way of working itself out of you. Right? Naturally. I mean, you know that. You, you eat and what happens? You go to the bathroom, right? So, so it, you know, it sustains you and then waste comes forth. And so God feeds us and, and when, when he feeds us, there's also a removal. And so this is part of a process. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now watch this. John 14. We're going to start there, but I want to just remind you of something really interesting. I, one of the things I learned from my pastor before John 14 is John 13. <laughs> you know, and uh, write that down. yes, write that down. 
<laughs> Write that out. And, uh, and so the thing is there that there were some things that God was not going to say, that Jesus was not going to say until Judas left the room. To quote the great theologian, Jay-Z, I see right through you, Judas. <laughs> but I'm joking. But. but Judas was a betrayer. Judas is a picture of the spirit of mammon. Mammon is something that values money over God. He betrayed Jesus for 30 Pieces of silver, that is a slave, that is what a slave cost. In fact, Samson, you remember Samson who lost his eyes because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't manage them, so he lost them. Anything you can't manage, you'll lose. <laughs> uh, remember him? He was sold out for 40 pieces of silver. More than Jesus. I mean, how do you think Jesus feels? I mean, did, did that feel good? You know, you want to talk about being, you know, undervalued here. I'm just feeling undervalued in that scene. It's like God himself was sold out for 30 pieces of silver. So Judas, the betrayer, has to get out of the room before Jesus begins to address things that are necessary for his best guys to hear. Because Jesus is going to call them friends in a little while, and Judas is not his friend. You don't have to call someone your friend who's not your friend. Your friends have your best interests at heart, even in their weaknesses. You know, Peter was a denier. A denier is not a betrayer. The motive is different. One is motivated by fear. One fumbled. The other one threw an interception. On purpose. So, so this is not, Judas is, is a picture of what happens when someone puts money before God and when shame completely does its work on someone, he hung himself. The end of shame is suicide. That spirit kills people all the time. Someone a few weeks ago jumped off the, uh, what was it? It was the CFO of Bed Bath & Beyond. So, and I don't say that in a disrespectful way. It's very sad. But I'm showing you the end of that spirit. The end of that spirit uh, is shame and suicide. Don't ever overvalue something that fluctuates in value. Money, uh, money is not to be trusted. I'll tell you why. The, the value of money fluctuates. Anything that fluctuates is not to be trusted. One of the things that God is doing in our life is making us constant. We're not there yet. We're becoming that way. Constant. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're being transformed into his image and likeness. And the more we become like him, the more steady, the more sure-footed, and the more consistent we are. The more continuity between our inner life and our outer life, our words and our actions, our values and how we behave. So this is something that God is doing. So I just want to remind you before I get into this passage that Judas, that God had to get Judas out of the room because not everyone is meant to be in the room. John 14, 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Watch this. Thomas, the doubter, said, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? It's like, <laughs> these are his best guys, by the way. <laughs> so encouraging. His, his best guys, who eventually this guy's going to die for him in India later on in history. This, one of his best, these are one of his best. They're fighting with him and telling him they don't know. And he's telling them, you know, and this is what I want you to know. Your spirit knows things that your soul and mind haven't caught up with and you don't have language for. So Jesus said, the way you know, and you know, but you don't know that you know, but I know that you know, so just believe me, you know. In other words, you wouldn't be in this room if you didn't know. <laughs> so that's important because this happens in our life. You know things intuitively by the Spirit. That's why you're here, you're following, you're willing, you have something cultivating in your heart, but you don't have language for it. You don't know exactly how, but you know who. You don't know, you know, but you know. I don't, can I just tell you, I don't care how. I care who. And, and the more you stay at it, the less you care when. You know who. And how and when, oh man, you want to get crushed? <laughs> the how and the when, baby, they're going to crush you. But that's all right, because God is producing something in you in the crushing. Okay. Then Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No other way. Let me say that. There is no other way in which men might be saved except Jesus. All roads do not lead to God. I want to just say that to you. That's very important. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And, and, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus tells them, they're looking at him like a dog, you know, like, like they, don't, they don't even know what he's saying, but he's just saying it. Okay. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. These are the type of questions that you get in ministry. The four people here, my pastor, the first thing he ever taught me in 2003 was this. The four different people that you're going to interact with in ministry started in Peter in 13. Then the next one is Thomas, Philip, and then Judas, but not Iscariot. Those are the four different personality things that you're going to deal with in the ministry with people. So anyway, show us. And Jesus said, I have been with you so long and you, yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me, for the works themselves. Most assuredly, or in the King James, verily, verily, 
which Jesus is giving himself an amen before he finishes his own quote. <laughs> Two amens. That's right. Most assuredly, or verily, verily, or amen, amen, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this is not me giving Jesus my wish list with his name. This is about me asking things that are a reflection of his character and his nature for his glory. Way different than the to-do list that I give God with Jesus' name on it. <laughs> Anyone else have one of those? <laughs> it's like Jesus' to-do list. It's like he's really, he's really backed up, you know. <laughs> yes, that's right. So this is classic. So now he says this. The words, there's a connection between the words and the work. So the words that you speak are either adding or detracting from the work that you're called to. So the works that Jesus was doing was empowered by the words that Jesus was speaking. So the, the rhema, the, the words, is what produces the work. That's very, very important because many times, I say this all the time because it, it, we do it, we break with our mouth with what we're trying to build with our prayers. Many times that is, that is the, the habit of people who are living still in bondage or in frustration or in confusion or maybe with an unrenewed mind. But So we speak against the very thing that God is wanting to do. And that is not a recipe to overcome. So I want to balance this out. I'm not talking about just positive vibes and, and manifesting your feelings. I'm talking about agreeing with God and speaking his word into the situation. Because in a situation, there's two things at work. Either it's the word or the world. There's always something working. So, so there's the word. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, they are refreshing and they give life. The world doesn't give that. <laughs> Trust me, I'm telling you, the world doesn't give nothing. The world only takes. All right. So when greater is he who is in you, by the way, this is all John writing, his closest guy. The closest always see the most. Okay. That was free. So John is the one who's writing, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. But then Jesus is saying, greater works will you do, bigger works. Look at how secure Jesus is. In, the, in our world, like it's like you can't be bigger than me. I, I, want, I want the pastor to be blessed, but not more blessed than me. <laughs> it's like, he can have a nice car, but not a nicer car than me. 
He can have a watch, but not as many watches as me. Because then it's suspicious. But look at how secure Jesus is. Jesus is like, my fellas, yo, greater works will you do than me. Why? Because I go to the Father. In other words, I'm praying for you. So you have me living on the inside of you. You have my spirit. And I am in heaven agreeing with the Father on your behalf. And I ever live to make intercession for you. And I'm cheering you on. And I'm energizing and encouraging and strengthening and directing you so that you will do bigger things that I've done. And you're still not bigger than me. <laughs> He's the biggest, biggest, biggest. That's how you know in the kingdom, you're not defined by what you do. You're defined by what he did. Without him, you can do nothing, which he's going to make that clear in, the, in our next passage. He's about to amen himself again. Double amen. Excuse me. Thank you. D-Rock there. We got a moving commentary. We got a lot of commentators. I love you guys. So now this is important because the fact checkers are here. And they try to shut me down on Instagram, but these are helpful fact checkers here. So anyway, greater is he who is in me. Greater works and greater love. And so I just want to say, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we can be honest, it's all right. We all want greater in life. Jose, Mary's like double amen. I mean, we, we, we are, we all, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to say that to you, that you shouldn't feel guilty about that. I don't feel guilty about that. It's, it's, it's okay. As long as you don't put that in the wrong place. That's the problem. The problem is not greater, bigger things, or any of those things. But the problem is if you put that first. Think of this, right? So Judas, like, let's say he had an ungodly relationship to money. Let's just say. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Peter stuck with Jesus, and they came and laid money at the apostles' feet. You know who Judas would have been? One of those apostles. In fact, if he was faithful, he would have been the one stewarding what was laid at their feet. But unless you, you deal with that dysfunctional relationship that you have between with you and money, or maybe with you and sex, or maybe with you and fear, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like That's the thing is not the thing. The thing is the devil who's lying to you, overvaluing something that will only steal from you. Could be materialism, eating, uh, anything that gets a place that it doesn't deserve. When something has a place in your life that it doesn't deserve, it becomes the filter in which you see everything through. Many times, for example, God will call us to do something, and the first thing people say is, I can't do that, I can't afford that. Ain't got the time. A lot of times they ain't got the money. Ain't got something. So now the problem is they're seeing everything through their lack, not God's supply. Right? So that, that's not the best way to see things because we, we, are, we are humans, and we have a limited amount of time in the earth. We have an expiration date, all of us, by the way. But God is not limited. I just want to encourage you with that. So because Jesus is going to go to the Father and he's going to 
lived to make intercession for us, that's his high priestly ministry, greater works will his people do than him. You go, I got to see that in the Bible. No problem. Peter's shadow healed people. Jesus' shadow never healed anyone. Paul's handkerchief, a sweaty handkerchief. A sweaty handkerchief. How about that? Something that doctors cannot do. Educated people cannot do. People with money cannot do. They cannot produce supernatural healing from the sweat of his brow, which is a resemblance of what used to be the curse of sin and death. When the curse of sin and death is lifted, healing is released. Greater works will you do. But here's how this works. If your hands don't heal people, if your words don't heal people, your shadow never will heal people. So the way to greater, which we all want, the way to greater is to steward that which I have. If I can't steward what I have, I will lose what I have. That's, you, so we, we mentioned that earlier with Samson. He, he, he couldn't steward his eyes. They were always wandering on foreign women. What did he lose? His eyes. He lost his ability to see, and then he died to get revenge when the real issue was him. See how that works? That's what revenge, revenge will cost you your own life. He wanted to kill the Philistines for taking his eyes. He couldn't keep it in the pants. That's why he lost his eyes. That's the story. Whatever you don't steward, you lose. And when I say that, people go, they just think about money. Money, 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 money. It's not just money. <laughs> There's many things that if you don't steward it, you will lose it. Relationships are, are something like that. There's many things in life that you have to maintain and steward or you will lose it. Very important. Now, John 15, I'm going to end here because this cannot be a full hostage. This is only a halfway hostage. But with bread on the camera, I'm confident that this could turn into a full hostage. Now, John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. That's amazing. God, the father, is humble. God the Father is a blue-collar worker who doesn't mind getting his hands dirty in the mess of our reality. Isn't that good? That's good. Because can I tell you something? We're a mess. Have you ever noticed that? The best of us are a mess. <laughs> okay. I mean, just look at Peter. That's the guy he leaves in charge. He's a complete mess. Have you ever noticed that? Okay. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, uh-oh, he takes away. He, the father. There, stop, listen. If the father wants to take something from you, let him. You know who he's talking about? Who just got removed? Judas. You have to read the scripture in the context of the conversation. What just happened? Judas just betrayed him, and he had a whole 
conversation, a four-part a four reply to those who remained. It's all in context. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. So now you have two things that are happening, removal and cleansing. Pruning is cleansing. So, so let me just give you the picture. In Dominican Republic and different places where you go, you will see banana trees. And on a banana tree, only one, only one of all those branches bears fruit. One. You see this nice little tree and this big stalk of bananas. At that time when you see them, they're green, by the way. And, and so they're hanging. And, 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 and the tree is like, it's like work. It's like, it needs like a weightlifting belt. Like it's a workout because the tree is like from this, this, because can I tell you something? Fruit is heavy. Fruit is heavy. Branches with no fruit are light. So now, this is what they do with these branches. This is real life too, by the way. They take the branches and cut them off. And at the foot of the tree, they burn them to ashes. And those failures fertilize the next harvest. So I just wanted to share that with you. Okay, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So the world makes you dirty. You ever, let me, let's talk, you're from New Jersey. Have you ever went to New York City? Uh-oh. And you come home, have you ever just felt dirty? Like physically dirty? Like something? Every day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing about New York City. You know, you, it's like, wh how did I get so dirty? Well, not only a dirty spirit, but there's, there's pollution. There's, there's dust. There, there's all these things that you, the, that's exactly a picture of what the world does to you every day. That's why it's critical that we're in the word, that we get washed. That you're showering your soul. This is important. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. So he first talks about his relationship to the father and now he's talking about their relationship to him. But this is, this is speaking of organically. You like organic? This is speaking to how organically life flows. In other words... The tree doesn't have to pray, oh, Jesus, I pray that you'll make me fruitful today. It naturally bears fruit because of its roots. Because its roots abide in the soil and because God is good and he sends rain and water and, and you know, it, it produces naturally. So we are naturally supposed to produce for the kingdom, naturally. In other words, you should pray about it, but it's not something that you have to just pray about, pray about, pray about. You have to abide. Now, this is important. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them 
and throw them into the fire and they are burned. This is the second time. I just want to let you know that doesn't sound like good news. <laughs> okay. Okay. If anyone does not about, we're going to go there. We did that. Seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it should be done for you. Now the word there, words, is the rhema. It's the thing that God is saying now. So the thing that God is saying now has to be the thing that determines what I'm praying now. I got to be praying what God is saying. Yeah, because what happens is we just pray what we're feeling. And that's a part of prayer. Like you need to empty out the feelings with the Lord. In fact, you have better relationships with, with people if you actually do that with the Lord, by the way. So that's very important. I want to really say that's the most important place to take your feelings is to the Lord. It really is. That's, that's the world does everything so that we do not take our feelings to the Lord or to the Word. What, what was Facebook? Facebook's little thing to trigger you to post something used to say, what are you feeling or what are you thinking or... Something like that? <clears throat> Something like that. Something feelings. And, and so, th that, so now, I, if anything, anytime you take something to the wrong place, you're going to get the wrong results. That's, that's like 101. You, you take your pain to the wrong place, you get more pain and shame and more distrust. Like, let's just say, for example, let's use something really simple. Guy is having problems at work. And uh, his wife doesn't know the magnitude of his problems because they have a dysfunctional relationship with each other and money. Guy goes after work and drinks and gets drunk. Here's what he does. He spends more money, more time, has more shame, more pain, and less money. And less trust. So everything he's doing is sabotaging himself for what he really wants to do. So I'm just telling you, that's, a, that's a, just a simple picture of the world does not have anything for you. Maybe you don't believe that yet. That's all right. No problem. It took me a long time to be fully convinced of it. But when you get fully convinced, your relationship to a liar and a thief will change. In other words, how many times are you going to let a liar lie to you and then believe him? The first thing that we read today is test every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. And then he talks about many false prophets of going into the world. He's not just talking about spirits floating around the atmosphere and, you know, vibing and manifesting. He's talking about people who are of a lying spirit who lie. Who are given over to deception. How long am I going to listen to someone who's deceived? That's a waste of time. They're the ones that should be listening. Instead, they're talking. That's how you know they're not ready to change. When someone wants to change, they stop talking and start listening. All right. By this, my Father is glorified. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is not, God is not saying, okay, since you're a good boy now, I love you more. No, he's saying if you want to experience my love, you will experience my love in obedience. Not I will love you because of obedience, but you will experience my best 
when you put me first. You will experience my intention for you when you participate with my plan for you. Let's say I want to do something nice for my kids and they refuse to get in the car. They kick and scream. They're mad. And they're, ah, it's raining outside. I don't want to go outside in the rain. I don't want to. Zoe hates jackets like me. I don't want to put on a jacket. Ah. But I have something nice for you and planned for you. But you're going to have to go through the tribulation of cold weather and rain to get into a warm car so that I can take you and deliver my good intentions for you. But if you do not participate with me, you cannot receive what I have for you, not because I don't love you, because you are not abiding in my intention for you. This is very, very important. I mean, okay, so now these things I have spoken to you that you may be bummed out because you failed. <laughs> no, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Think about that. God speaks to you not to shame you, not to blame you, but so that you are strengthened. So you're seeing a few things here. The word of God first is washing and cleaning, but now it's strengthening. This is important because in, in the world, the world wants to break you and make you dirty. Right now in schools, they are trying to break little children. It's okay to like boys if you're a boy. It's okay to decide that you're a, 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 a they. What is a they? You have demons. Get those out. You're either him or her. And we all, we're all trusting the science and we're all into fact checkers. That's biology. It's like feelings don't change that. I'm sorry to you know, announce that to you. So, you know, it's like, you know, actually, no, you're actually a man. You know, it's like, and, and that's what they're trying to put in the education system to break people. And then if you speak against that, you're hateful. And then they'll use Marxist language to say, you're racist. Karl Marx was absolutely racist. Oh, and then we're going to take his doctrines and we're going to put them in public schools and make everyone mentally ill. Why? You remove God from the equation. God is not the creator. He's not the sustainer. He doesn't have to save and he doesn't care, so you can decide what you are because you came from a monkey. So now, this is what happened. But by the way, the first thing that they remove is God. Before they remove your gender or your desires, or your, which kids have no business even discovering, they should learn, like, what's two plus two? This, this, is, this, is, this is really something because this is a systemic way to break a whole entire society. To break you. Break you down. That is what, that, that is what the world has for people. That idea doesn't come from Karl Marx or some crazy white guy in a room. That comes from the pit of hell. That comes from the devil, and he has mouthpieces. 
Okay, I'll take some rock and roll mouthpieces. I'll take some rap mouthpieces. I'll take some liberal mouthpieces. I'll take a few right-wing mouthpieces even. I'll take, I, I will, and I will take these people and I will sow chaos so they reap destruction. And I will sow confusion so they reap self-hatred. And mutilate themselves because they hate themselves so much and their parents hated themselves so much that they will participate with it. This is the situation in the world. And I'm very hopeful because when light shines, it exposes darkness and it's, it's, it's to help people, not to hurt them, by the way. The, the light we're shining, you know, is, is, is to be like the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. And it's a light unto our path. It's not like someone flashing a light on you and hitting you over the head with a, with a, with a flashlight. You know, you know, this is not that type of shining. This is different. This is for their benefit. That your joy may be full. Imagine, imagine you, someone calls you and says, hey, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm so full of joy. Right? That's what I'm looking to hear. I'm full. Full of what? <laughs> full of joy. I'm happy today. Oh, wow, that's amazing. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So now the, 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 the standard is Christ. Not just loving. So he starts with love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that's, that's, a, that's a, for some people, they hate themselves. So they, they hate their neighbor. It's like, it's like they give you a hell of a time because that's what they're going through. And so, so, you, but so Jesus raises the bar and says, no, love each other as I loved you. That's like, man, I got to really treat you good. That's like, not easy. I got to treat myself like that. It's not easy. And um, greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. The word there is not servant, it's the word slave, doulos. It is the foot washer. The one, the thing that he just did like an hour ago. Remember when he washed everyone's feet? That's how he started this whole meal. This is over a meal, by the way. Some of the most important conversations you'll ever have are over a meal. But we don't value that. We value, we gotta sit down in a classroom. But... The table is the place of transformation. Okay. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father I have made, uh, made known to you. You did not choose me. Just for some clarifi clarification. <laughs> you did not appoint me. In other words, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. If you don't go, you don't bear fruit. Where are you going? I don't know. Across the street, across the world, to the sphere, to your metron. Your area of influence with your measure of faith. That your fruit should remain. You see that? Stewardship. It should remain. There are, there are things, listen. When something has a hold on you, you can't hold on to it. Many times it's very difficult to steward something because something else has a hold of us. 
I'll give you an example. Let's say a hedge fund person. He has an ungodly desire for money. It's bad. He risks other people's life in ways that are not wise. And people lose everything because that guy, that one guy who made that choice has a dysfunctional relationship with money. He put it in a position it didn't deserve because of greed. And other people suffer. And then he jumps off a building. And this is the story of real people. So, and I'm just saying this, it's not just with money. It's any time you give something a place it doesn't deserve. That's what Samson did to Delilah. He confided in someone he should have never been intimate with. Don't confide in the enemy. She was a Philistine. You know what the Philistine principality did? It took... The Ark of the, it took the Ark of the Covenant. It wants to steal the presence and the purposes of God. That's a spirit, by the way. Don't negotiate with the enemy. You did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should remain and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you that you love one another. He keeps going over and over and over on this because this is not easy. <laughs> Some of you are easy to love, but I mean, none of us are that easy. And this is important because I, I want to show you something. He said that greater love, bigger love, mega, same, same word, greater, today's sermon, greater. Greater love has no man than this, that he would love himself and manifest his vision. No, it doesn't say that. Greater love has no man than this, that he would love his enemies. No, it doesn't say that. It says, greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for who? His friends. You know who hurt you the most? Your friends. Do you think it hurt more? Do you think it hurt more when a Roman guy, when, when some crook was like, who is this guy? Or when all his friends dipped except John? The greatest expression of love is not to love your enemies because your enemies don't mean anything to you. So you pray for them, you bless them, that's it. Goodbye. Have a nice day. But your friends, that's why you have to watch who you let into that circle. He's saying this in the context of people who are his friends but will fail him, not people who will sell him out. Judas is no longer there. They're not the same people. We will fail each other, but selling each other out is not really, shouldn't be part of the option, you know? So, so, that, so it's important that you, that who you let in to your life and, and who you call your friend is different. But the greatest expression is to lay down your life for your friends because your friends disappoint you. Why? Because you put hope and expectation in them. I hope you don't have any expectations in an enemy. I hope you don't. If you do, that's on you. I mean, but, but our friends are like, maybe they rub us the wrong way. Maybe, they're, maybe we feel misunderstood, undervalued, underseen. I don't know, whatever words you use. But the greatest expression of love is to lay down your life for your friends. That's what he's saying to his friends. 
And he is the template Abiding. Abiding depends on obeying, and obeying depends on loving. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. So I don't just say, oh, Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, I love you. What really sings a sweet song is definitely not my voice, but my life. Is our life surrendered and submitted but this is not to someone who wants to control and manipulate us. This is someone who wants to give, he wants your joy to be full. And he's not selling you pills. It's like, you know, this is like good news, by the way. To me, it's good news. I don't know. Anyway, we're done. But God put greatness on the inside of you. He expects greatness from you. Think about that. Most people... Don't expect anything from you. They just expect you to live irrelevant lives, pay bills, and die. That is not for you. God put greatness on the inside of you, and he expects greatness from you. God invested his own life in you. Are, are you guys with me? God invested in you. You, you better trust someone. If you invest with them, <laughs> you, better, you better watch out. And God didn't go, oh, you know, I'll give a little bit. Like, he's not like, oh, like, we'll see if you're, like, trustworthy. He's like, you're a disaster. I'm moving in. Greater is he that is in you. But, but he doesn't move in unless we want him to move in. See, the same way with helping people, loving people. If people don't want it, and they're not going to abide in it and remain in it and continue in it. You can't do anything for them. You can only do, Jesus can only speak to the people who are at the table. Those who remain, not, not Judas. He left. He's not here. Even in suffering, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Even in suffering, even, even in hardship, we are overcomers, conquerors. That word, there's Nike again. Okay, the love of God must shape, or I'll add, reshape our lives. In other words, Jesus is the template. Jesus is the protos. Jesus is the prototype. And he has modeled for us how to live and how to love. And here's the thing about Jesus that, that's really good if something, let me just say this and then I'll, I'll wrap up in like one or two minutes. If something is dysfunctional, what, what, what does that mean? It doesn't function. Right? Disorder, chaos, whatever. It's dysfunctional. It doesn't work. But Jesus, like for example, let me give you an example. Let's say the whole world were to adopt the idea of homosexuality and trans. Let's just say everyone embraced it. Everyone. In one generation, the whole world would cease to exist. In one generation, the whole world would die off. So if, if it doesn't work for everyone, it can't work. Jesus teaches us how to be truly human, where if everyone would embrace living this way, it would be heaven on earth. If I love you, if I care about you, if I respect you, 
if I speak words to encourage you, if I, if I set an example for you, if you set an example for him, if, 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 we, if everyone embraced this, it would work. It's sustainable. See, the systems of the world are oppressive and unsustainable. Now you hear sustainable, 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 ecosystem, sustainable, warming. And what they want to do is they want to be the stewards of the earth and remove the creator and remove God from stewarding the earth that's not even theirs. The earth belongs to the meek. You can't be meek if you don't acknowledge God. So it's a humanistic way that removes God from the equation. Which is not sustainable because without God we'll eventually be at each other's throat. God is the only way that we could properly learn how to love and relate to each other. If not, someone is just someone to exploit. Instead of care for and steward and love. That's the whole system of the world. The whole system of the world is built on exploitation. Exploitation is the very thing that destabilized the inner cities of America. Exploitation is not sustainable. For example, here's what happens. They, they take jobs overseas so people and men living in cities cannot make a just living wage. So what do they do? They sell drugs. If you can't do something honest, you'll do something nefarious. So someone who says, well, we found cheaper people to exploit. Where? Vietnam. Thailand. Malaysia. Haiti. China. So we will exploit them instead of pay other people. And they'll destroy the city and exploit these people while a real few people get richer and richer and richer and richer. And the more the wealth gap grows, the more perverse a society becomes because you have people who are exploited and people who are exploiting. That system is dehumanizing. That is not Christian. That is not kingdom. Now, I understand on a practical sense, we all, most of us will go toward a cheaper gas station and we generally do what benefits us. And I get that, but there has to be limits. There has to be limits with no limits. Well, all you have is those who exploit and those who are exploited. And that is not a kingdom. I cannot love you if I want to rape you or kill you or exploit you or have your child be a slave. That, that is not, there's no love involved in that. And, and that is not a, a way to be human. So now, what I'm trying to tie that into is that is an economic, that's an ethic of economics where if you put money before, let's say, human dignity or justice, what you have is exploitation. Okay? Without using these, these big woke words, that doesn't matter. What matters is that's dehumanizing the people that Jesus paid for with his own blood and he values. 
So you have two systems operating. The system of the world, which is dehumanizing. This is what I'm getting at. And then you have the, system, the kingdom of God, something that is greater than the world, something that doesn't operate as the world, but it operates through and penetrates and pierces the world and shows the world light and a different way to be human. And, and it's how we are to serve the world, not in the context of serving sinful things or an oppressive system, but serving people who are trapped. That's what I'm saying. And that is your mission. That is the context in which greater love and greater works flows because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Instead of just trying to be like the world, now you have something for the world. Listen, it's so much different when you have something for someone. Don't you ever feel that? You walk in, you have a gift, or, or, or doesn't that feel better? Have you ever noticed that? And God wants us to have something for the world because the folks have needs. And just because people, let's say, don't need money, that doesn't mean they don't have needs. It just takes more of a challenge for you to be able to see the real need and speak to the real need. And that's where the word comes in. If you don't have the word in you, if you're not aware that greater is he that lives in you, you're, you're unable to see the reality in which people are trapped and stuck in and so then we don't have anything for them. We're just like them. But that's not the calling. The calling is greater love, greater works. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for you. <laughs> the greatest thing you can give, yourself. So Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us and that you have chosen to live in us, to remain in us, to have our joy full because you're in us. And I pray this week that we would step into greater love and greater works, that, that we would have this understanding and that we would approach life from a mentality of victory and humility. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv invite.